And let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you've ever tried to play the piano, you know it's not easy. And in fact, they seem to, they claim it's one of the hardest instruments to play. And, um, but I thought about while he was playing and we're singing, and I know I get myself mixed up sometimes because I'm thinking about a couple things at once. I thought about Jesus and his disciples, that he brought them along and he trained them and he let them go out there and do their, you know, their attempts at preaching and all that. So it's great to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in our Bibles tonight, and we're going to use this passage as part of our, the message for tonight. We're looking, we're just kind of still laying the groundwork of, for message, messages on the sufficiency of Scripture. And I realize we're getting close to December. Um, we may just, uh, not, not totally may break with tradition, but we might just do things a little differently this time and just continue in this. We'll see how the Lord leads. I'm, please pray. I'm intending, Lord willing, to finish Revelation before we go on to anything else on Sunday morning. So, uh, and if you think about the birth of Christ, it's relevant to everything because all, it's all because of his coming that we can do anything uh, in the church or in Scripture. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a few verses here. In fact, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll pray, and then I'm going to ask three questions that I would like you to answer out loud, all right? We'll do, we'll do that tonight and, um, as we get into the message, all right? 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory... What I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time we can have in thy word, and we again are reminded of the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how he died for our sins, he was buried, he rose again. We're thankful that he is alive and that he has provided such a great, great salvation. And Lord, we ask thy blessing and the leading of the Holy Spirit as we study thy word tonight. Help us, Lord, to gain things that will be profitable for our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I have three questions. And... Um, not necessarily, no wrong, not a wrong and no wrong answers. Or I mean, I mean, there there aren't any wrong answers. Let's put it that way. But I think we're going to get probably everyone's going to give the same answers. Let's we'll wait and see. Most familiar verse in the Bible is John three sixteen. Everybody, would you all agree with that? Okay. Most important message in the Bible is. All right, the gospel, right? Gospel message. Most, most popular hymn. <laughs> Amazing grace. All right, now there's, there's a reason for that. Um, I want, we, let's make sure that extreme familiarity doesn't lead to complacency or a ho-hum attitude uh, when it comes to the message of the cross. Um, in fact, one of the reasons that I like to go to evangelistic meetings or even have evangelists here 
is it just stirs my heart. I love to hear somebody get up and preach the old-time gospel. All right? I love to hear evangelists preach or missionaries or anyone who opens the word of God and reminds us of the great truths of the gospel. Um, as, you re- as we read through the New Testament, as we read the writings of Paul in particular, it's obvious that he never got over the wonder of what Christ did. Saving Saul of Tarsus, self-proclaimed chiefest of sinners, chief of sinners. Have you, have we gotten over the marvel of what he's done for us? Woven throughout the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Christ, all the Christian life principle in the scripture is the grace of God. God's grace is all-sufficient for us. We learn of his grace, of course, in the Bible. God's all-sufficient word, and and, uh, we're going to get to that. And we're going to get to some specific examples of the sufficiency of Scripture to deal with situations and needs and things in our life. Everything that we need, we we gain from the Scriptures. We, We need to. And so we need to be in the Bible, in the Word of God on our own private time and certainly in, in services and that where the, the Bible is taught, preached, so on, and so on. And so I want us to take a look at least one more time um, or one more evening message at some things about the Apostle Paul, uh, some things about his life. And so we're going to start here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with Paul's statement on the gospel. So these are all these things tonight are related to the gospel in Paul's life, and certainly the application um, to us as well. And it's interesting that you take 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and, and 1 Corinthians more so, but is, Paul spends a lot of time correcting errors and you know things that were going on in the church in Corinth that shouldn't, been, shouldn't have been going on. And so it's, not, it's, it's significant that he comes back in chapter 15 and starts over again with the gospel, the gospel. And, so, and then he goes into the rest of the chapters dealing with the resurrection. And certainly a huge error, a huge problem that, was, that was, had surfaced in those days were those who denied the resurrection. All right? And that's, one that, that's always been, right? That's always been one of the things that caused trouble. You know, uh, the other, the other the, Peter and John and them, in early Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5, and so on, what brought the wrath of the authorities on them, the religious authorities, was they preached the resurrection, right? That's, that's always been. And even today, there is a kind of a renewed or an ongoing hostility toward the resurrection, and people who believe in the resurrection were, you know, were labeled, you know, as lunatics and cultists and, and all that sort of thing. But be that as it may, it's the truth. And everything that we believe in and hope for and trust in is based on Christ's resurrection. And so the essentials of the gospel in verse 4, verses 1 through 4. And so Paul says, moreover, in other words, in, in addition to everything I've, I've written up to this point, I declare unto you, the gospel, as I remind you of the gospel, the good news, which I preached unto you. And they needed, and he's reminded them. And, and we get to 2 Corinthians a little bit later. I'm going to give, tell you some of the reasons why Paul was writing these things. 
you know, on the practical level for them. But he says, I've preached the gospel to you. It wasn't somebody else. It was, it was me who preached the gospel to you first, all right? And uh, which also you have received. He reminds me, you received it, and wherein ye stand. In other words, where you have a standing with God, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So Paul says, he's, he's kind of, he's doing a hyper, hypothetical thing here. Um, when, he said, when, the, when it says in vain, it, the idea there means without effect. And that can't be. And so that's what Paul's saying. If you truly believe, if you truly receive the gospel, it's never in vain because it always has an effect. Okay? For I delivered unto you. And then he goes into the elements, the essentials. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. And Paul never got weary of, of the thrill of the fact that he had received the gospel. It was given to him. And by the Lord himself, really, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So the essentials, we could say a lot more, but that's good enough for tonight. And then in, also in this passage, there are the eyewitnesses of the gospel. Right? What is the gospel? The death, burial, resurrection of Christ and those first century apostles and others who preached Many of them were eyewitnesses, all right? So let's look at that. And that he was seen. So, so there you go. Um, he died, he was buried, he rose, he was seen. And we see that in, in the Gospels and in Acts. Um, of Cephas, which is another name for Peter. Jesus gave him the name of Cephas, which means a stone. Then of the twelve, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain in this present, but some are fallen asleep. So over 500 believers saw him at one time, right, all together. Very important. There needed to be eyewitnesses. After that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles. Last of all, and last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. He was untimely birth. He wasn't with the other apostles. He was the believer. He was a persecutor and so on. But he was, at last, he was seen. Paul as well, and we know when it was, on the, once he was on the road to Damascus. And then, the effect of the gospel on Paul, verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles. And he puts himself there. You know, not, this is not a false humility, because here's what he says. I am, not, I am the least of the apostles, am not meet to be called an apostle. I don't deserve, not fit to be called an apostle, because <clears throat> I persecuted the church of God. All the other apostles were with him from the, almost the very beginning of his ministry. Paul says, not me, I persecuted the church of God. I don't, I don't deserve, all right? But that's what grace, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. So there's Paul's past in verse 9, a persecutor. Paul's present is the fact that he became an apostle by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. And now, the, this is a different word translated vain. Here it means without fruit or without success. In other words, Paul did not fail in his ministry as an apostle, all right? But, he says, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. 
All right, so Paul said it's all by God's grace. And here, there, there's several emphases, and we've talked about that recently, but the grace of God in Scripture has several emphases. Of course, we think about the saving grace. Well, here it's talking about power um, to minister, power to live, power and equipment for ministry. And Paul says what, I was, what I've been able to accomplish is really God accomplishing through me by his grace. And it's true, he was not lying, he was not exaggerating. He did labor more abundantly than they all. I mean, he had a far, wide, uh, uh, reaching ministry all over the world, um, more than, accomplished more than any other single person probably ever in the history of Christianity. Um, and so he's not, he's not exaggerating here, he's not making stuff up. But he said, it's not not me, but it's the grace of God. And then verse 11, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. And so Paul again said, it's not the preacher necessarily, it's the preaching, it's the word of God. All right, so he gives this statement concerning the gospel. All right, and then second, we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians um, chapter 11, and look a little bit at Paul's suffering for the gospel. Right. Paul's suffering for the gospel. And I don't, I don't know how many times, you know, over the years, that, or even recently, that I've kind of referred to this or alluded to this passage of Scripture about all of Paul's sufferings. Well, maybe it's time we took a look at it. And, and again, there's, let's see what it says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, before we get in, to the actual sufferings, um, we need to back up. The sufferings actually are started started a listing there in verse twenty one, but back in verse twelve. Now here's here, here's the situation with Paul. His ministry among the problems that had come in to Corinth, there were those who had come along who were undermining the ministry of Paul. They were you know they were saying he wasn't really an apostle. Um, and all these kind of things, degrading him, despising him, trying to ruin his ministry, trying to, to draw the Corinthians away, all these things. And so Paul was compelled, it says in 2 Corinthians 12, you have compelled me. He, he was compelled to uh, list his credentials, if you were, defend, as it were, def, defend his ministry. All right? And so he's doing that here in chapter 11. And so this is what he's talking about in verse 12, 2 Corinthians 11, 12, but what I do, that I will do. In other words, what I'm doing, what I'm getting into here, I'm doing it. Why? That I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasions. In other words, occasion to find fault, to criticize, that sort of thing, to, to deny that wherein they glory, they, in other words, the ones who are trying to take over, And these weren't good guys. This wasn't like Apollos or anybody like that. These were false teachers trying to take away and kind of steal the work that Paul had done and the foundation that he had laid. So that he's saying that whatever, if they, whatever, wherein they glory, or if they attempt to glory, they may be found even as we. In other words, that they would glory on the same thing glory on the truth, glory on the grace of God, glory on Christ. All right, four, such are false apostles, these ones trying to come in. Deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. All right, and even so it is today. Very few out there 
will say that we're against Christ. They claim to be ministers of Christ. Um, Emma gave me a, found a book the other day, and I took a look at it, and I, re- I thought I recognized the name on the book. It was Talmage. Oh, there was, a, there was a fu- one of the early fundamentalists named Talmage. Well, this is a different Talmage. This was a man who claimed to be one of the 12 apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In other words, he claimed to be an apostle of the Mormon Church. So I said, I'll take it. I'll take it and put it back there. And, um, and it's interesting, the book is entitled Jesus the Christ. So let's see how, how deceiving they could be. All right, And, and it's, full, it is, it's a deceptive book. I didn't even look at it. I don't even have to read a word of it to tell you it's a deceptive book because it starts off with a, with a lie. There are no apostles um, anywhere, but certainly there are no apostles in the Mormon church. That is for sure. All right, so here's what he says. No marvel. In other words, we shouldn't be surprised. For Satan himself is transformed, or the idea there, he transforms himself, or tries to, into an angel of light. Is it a coincidence that so many of these so-called experiences people have have to do with light? We talked about, we've been emphasizing that a little bit lately, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And so there's a false light, as it were. Right? And so that's what the devil does. He doesn't come forth as an ugly creature. You know, he tries to he presents himself as godly and beautiful and light and all that sort of thing. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And so in other words, what they produce. Do they produce uh, converts to Jesus Christ and solid disciples and great churches? No. They produce a false. If you take an aspect of the parable of the wheat and the tares, they produce the tares, all right? And so, and it's all under the work of Satan. Jesus said in that parable, by the way, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. So here you have right here, Satan and his ministers. And here it's not so much, in fact, it's really not talking about demons. It's talking about human ministers, right? Those who claim to be whatever for the Lord. All right. So he goes on, he says, I say again, verse 16, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. In other words, Paul says, I don't, I, I don't want anybody to think I'm foolish or crazy, but if you do, just please be, bear with me, let me speak, all right? Because it's so, such import, so important, you know. Um, we talked this morning about the great white throne judgment and being cast in a lake of fire. That's where these people end up if they follow these servants of Satan. And Paul knew that. He knew that there was a tr- desperate, eternal battle for the souls of men. All right, That which I speak, now here's 17, that which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord. In other words, I don't, I'm not claiming any scripture for this, any previous revelation, but as it were foolishly, in this confidence of boasting, in other words, boasting on Christ and the grace of God. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. I mean, you know, he, didn't, he really didn't want to do this. He honestly didn't. He's saying, all right, let's, let's just do some comparison here. He said, all right, I have to do this. I'm willing. I don't want to do it. Here I'll, here, I'll stack up my life against anybody else's. That's basically what he's saying. Against these, and what have they done? What have they done? Right? 
It's like the difference between true believers and true servants of God and these, you know, Islamic terrorists. They hide behind some bunker while their followers go out and get blown up and do all that kind of stuff, and they will not do a thing personally. That's not how it is, and it's not how it was with Paul or with the leaders of Christianity. We're out there. We're out there on the front lines, so to speak. And so Paul says, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to to line up. Here's my credentials. Here's my package, if you will, of accomplishments. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves are wise. And so again, he's, play, being, he's actually using sarcasm. These, for, these Corinthians were far from wise. They thought they were. Uh, they were you know, in influenced by the world. They were, you know, they were loved by the world. You know, they, were, they were compromising and many things, many things that were going on. You know, there was immorality, all kinds of stuff going on. Idolatry was, was creeping in and mixing in. And so Paul says, it's, you know, he says, I, I just have to, I have to do this. I've got to call you on this, all right? For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. In other words, you will take all kinds of, you'll make all kinds of sacrifices for these false teachers. And they do that. They, they make merchandise, all right? Paul says, I don't do that. My life has been just the opposite, right? I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak, right? And so the reproach that had come upon him. In one place they accused him of being weak in presence. Now, howbeit wherein wherein soever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. All right, so here it is. Paul says, here is my list of what designates me as a true apostle of Jesus Christ, all right? Are they Hebrews? So am I. In Philippians, he lays forth his credentials as being a Pharisee, tribe of Benjamin, and so on, all right? Solid credentials, solid heritage. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Now, he's talking, really, he's talking physically most of all, but of course, underlying that is also the spiritual aspect. He's a true son of Abraham because he's saved. Are they ministers of Christ? Really, are they? I speak as a fool. Again, I'm, I'm, I feel foolish. I am more. I'm more. In labors more abundant. He talked about that. Remember 1 Corinthians 15, I labored more abundantly than they all. In stripes, above measure, that is whipping. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, off. In other words, Paul faced, was under in the peril of death over and over again. And here's, of the Jews, <clears throat> five times received I 40 stripes, save one. So in other words, 39 stripes, five different times. Ah, can you imagine? Ooh. Thrice, or three times, was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. All right, so those are some of the the physical perils and things he went through. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. 
And so all these in dangers, dangers and journeyings and, and so forth, and weariness, 27, painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And so these are all the things that came upon him as he followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it gladly and joyfully for the cause, for the ministry that God had called him to do. And he had, obviously Paul had a very unique ministry. There's been a few, there's probably been nobody that had the exact type of ministry that Paul did, um, but it was very unique. And so because of that, you know, there was a lot of things that he had to endure, a lot of things he had to face. So then he says this, that's not even, that's not even all of it. 28, beside those things that are without, in other words, the things that are outside, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, in other words, the oversight of all the churches, his, you know, his shepherding of all the churches, and, you know, his care over them, and his watching over them, and his yearning over them, and praying over them, and writing to them, and all the things that he did. He said, this is the, all this is part of my daily ministry my daily life who is weak and i'm not weak who is offended and i burn not in other words paul relates to those who are weak to those who are offended it means those who are being led astray uh, by false doctrine uh, that's what the word offended means it means to be deceived or to be led astray and paul says i burn not in other words i'm i'm incensed is the idea I'm, in, I, I'm, in, I'm angry, I'm incensed, I'm burned up, as it were, at what these false teachers are doing. And in Galatians, he said, I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. So you see, uh, Paul, had, he, hated, he just hated the false doctrine, hated what was being done to the people. All right, so those are a few things there um, that he, put, that he, that he, that he um, dealt with. Verse 30 says, If I must needs glory, if I have to glory... I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. And he said, what, really, what I'm really looking at and what I'm really claiming as my credentials as an apostle are not the list of things I've done, but it's the fact that such a weak man with infirmities has been so affected and so empowered by the grace of God, by the power of Christ, the God and Father. And then he makes his last, final appeal in that here, Verse 31, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. He says, God is my, I'm not lying, not lying. And so we, and if you were to go read, you know, read the chapters in Acts that are devoted to the ministry of Paul, you know, you see these things, all right, you see. And so, one last thing. Um, by the way, um, I've often used these, and I've looked at these, and I've thought, man, I really don't suffer for the Lord in comparing to this. And I thought, yeah, that's not what Paul meant, and we probably that's not how he intended for this to be used, because whether how much or how little we suffer in this world, yet we suffer, and our sufferings are real. You know, our trials are real. Um, you know, whatever they may be, and so as Paul depended and relied upon the grace of God. So ought we. We need his grace. We need it. We are. We're all weak, and we all suffer, and we all have difficulties. All right, so one last thing, and that is this, Paul's sufficiency in the gospel, all right? Let's take a look at three verses, and then we're done. Romans chapter 1, 
Very familiar verses. Um, Paul's sufficiency in the gospel, you see, and, I, and I'm using it this way, that um, everything that's true of the Christian life and Christian doctrine goes back to the gospel, all right? goes back to what Christ did for us. That's the foundation, and everything else builds upon it. But all right, Romans chapter 1, and it's good, good to be reminded um, of this, all right? Romans 1, verse 16, very familiar. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All right, so the gospel is the power of God to salvation. People need to hear the gospel. They need to be confronted with the gospel, and Paul did that. And so it, it, it's sufficient for salvation. All right, let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is a verse I don't remember if somebody pointed this out to me or if I just found it as I was reading, but this verse became very precious to me way back the first year of Bible college. Um, and I'm sure I'd read it before then, but... Uh, this, at, at that time, it became very, very special. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 24. Because God was dealing with my heart and life about going into the ministry. In fact, I had already made kind of a commitment to that. I believed God was leading me there. And so 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. In other words, he'll fulfill it. He will give the enabling. And so here we have the security in the gospel. If we're if in the call of God, he provides. Where God guides, he provides. Somebody wrote that one time, commenting on that very verse of Scripture. And Paul relied on that. Therefore, he was willing and eager to go anywhere in the world to take the gospel because he knew that God would be with him. He knew the obstacles too, didn't he? He said, I know everywhere I go, bonds and imprisonment await me. All right? But he said, I don't care about that. That doesn't move me because I want to finish my course. Well, so security. And then Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Um, <clears throat> sanctification through the gospel or because of the gospel. <clears throat> Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, the day of Jesus Christ, the rapture, when we will be fully conformed to his image. But in the meantime, as Paul says, being confident. We have this confidence that when God starts a work, he's not going to abandon it. He's going to continue. He's going to perfect it, complete it. And so that's, really, that's the idea of sanctification, making us more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just some thoughts there. We thank God for his amazing grace. Um, it is ours. It's available to us for every need, every moment, every day. And we praise him for that. And as the hymn writer put it, that great hymn, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus,' the last line of the chorus, "'All for grace.'" to trust him more. Amen. All right, thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. 
that we could have singing and, and Lord and Joshua playing and continue to help him, guide him, dear Lord. And, and we pray and thank you for the word of God we're able to look at tonight. We thank thee for thy marvelous grace. And Lord, help us to live in the power of thy marvelous grace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, we'll take our hymn books and we'll sing 282, all right, 282 as we close the service. Two hundred eighty-two hiding in the.
this evening. We thank you for the blessings of the day. We ask you to watch over each of us as we go to our homes this evening. And we pray for those tomorrow that have special needs or things. We think of Brother Herb going for his appointment. And you and the doctors guide them, Lord. We continue to pray for Mary as she continues her therapy. And just for others, Lord, in need of thee, we think of Anne uh, tonight as, as her um, health is gradually but certainly declining. And, and now she's dealing with Parkinson's, among other things. We, we pray for her. And, uh, Lord, just um, we thank you so much for thy grace. And Father, we know and help that, to, that uh, this life is a, is a life of, of troubles and sorrows and, as well as great joys and blessings. We understand, Lord, that because we live in a fallen world and we ourselves are, have, are fallen beings, though we're saved by grace, that the inner man is renewed, yet the outward man perishes. And so, Lord, just help us to trust in thee. Watch over us now, we pray. In Jesus' name.